Hello and welcome to the first episode of the You Play Rugby question mark podcast by the University of Leeds Women's Rugby Union team. My name is Joy Cummings and I'm the current club captain and we thought that there was no better way than to begin our podcast than, well, in the beginning. So today we're going to be discussing the origins of our club, the origins of Women's Rugby Union as a sport and just how far Women's Rugby has developed as a sport in 2020. I'm extremely excited to announce that I'm joined here today with Cara Isherwood who actually founded our club in 1981 and is a founding member of the Rugby Football Union for Women, and was the first woman to join the world governing body for Rugby Union. So thank you so much for joining us today, Carol. Could you tell us a little about yourself, so what you're doing now? Okay, so I've um, I've been involved in sport as a career for the last 30-odd years, which has been fantastic. I'm currently living back up in Manchester, near where my family are, um, and managing through the lockdown, um, using Zoom quite a lot. Uh, I do quite a bit of work for World Rugby. I've got a contract with them, particularly looking at women coaches and getting more women coaches involved in rugby, but particularly involved in the high-performance environment um, with unions across the world. Uh, And I do a a little bit of other work for the Women's Sports Leadership Academy and a few other other organisations, a lot to do with people development and particularly you know, women, female coaches development. So we've got a really good project with the IOC going at the moment with, with six of, six sports, including rugby. That's so that's been, that's great to be able to do that work in lockdown and be able to connect with, with people and to just carry on doing the work with the coaching. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of strange how lockdown, mm-hmm. obviously it's, it was seen as a negative thing, but it does give you time to focus on other things. So I think you can definitely turn it into something positive. So we'll start off with some quick fire questions then. So in rugby, what is your most played position? Oh, okay. Um, it'll be open side flanker. It was seven. I, I, I think I, I, I played every position. I've always said I've played every position but wing um, in my career, but mostly seven. And would you say that's your favourite position? Uh, I think I, I loved playing seven, but I really like playing eight as well. Mm. Um, so, But I wasn't tall enough, really. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> I'm also a flanker, so I've got to agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best of both worlds. Sure. Have you ever had any injuries during playing rugby and do any of them have funny stories behind them? Oh, I've had a number of injuries. Um, I think I think the the first game I ever played, um, I went to take a catch and the opposition came in and my best mate came in to protect me. And the next thing I knew, I was being squeezed between both of them. I ended up with a massive black eye and a cut down here. So I've always blamed my friend for my first ever rugby injury. Um, <laughs> And then the one that I was felt I was really fortunate with, I got um, injured in the England Wales game mm-hmm. uh, in 1991, just before the World Cup. And because I've got funny shaped collarbones, um, it should have broken and it didn't. It sort of dislocated here, about, about an inch dislocation. But because it didn't break, I was able to get fit enough to play in the World Cup. So if I hadn't had funny shaped collarbones, then. I may not, I wouldn't have played in that 1991 World Cup. So, um, yes. <laughs> Thank goodness then. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. If you didn't play rugby, do you think you'd be involved in another sport and what would that be? Um, that's difficult, I think, in terms of what I played. I've, I've played lots of different sports, but I was one of those um, girls who wanted to play football and cricket and rugby at school and you weren't allowed um, so I played a bit of hockey. I did judo when I went to university as well. I was the 
I was the first female captain of Leeds University Judo Club. Okay. Started everything at Leeds then. <laughs> yeah, I started I saw a few yeah. new things at Leeds. Um, but I I guess I would have just picked up nowadays or, or afterwards would have played a bit more football, mm-hmm. I think. Played a lot of, of football and, um, and, and hockey. So, yeah. yeah. That's funny. I um, did kitball sing for about four years and I used to play football when I was younger. So I guess you all do similar sports. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then um, the last quick fire question is, how quickly can you down a pint? Oh, not as quickly as I used to. <laughs> I think still fairly, still fairly sharp. I, do, I don't know whether I've ever timed myself, but I did do a yard of ale once in 42 seconds. That's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The main skill of the rugby player. Indeed, indeed. I'm not very good at it anymore, though. <laughs> That's all right. So what kind of made you want to get involved in women's rugby? Was it a thing before you came to the uni or what, what made you want to get involved? I always wanted to play rugby, mm-hmm. always. And um, I come from a rugby league town, so, I, you know, all, all I really knew was rugby league. I didn't really know rugby union mm-hmm. growing up. Um, but like I said, you weren't allowed as a girl to play football or rugby or cricket so you'd be allowed to train with the boys and then that would be it um so I'd sort of given up on that when I was a kid and then I when I went hop picking one summer um at summer break I met somebody who played for Sheffield University so um I went and had a game for them and then when I came back to Leeds decided to set up a team so was that your first time ever playing sorry was that your first time ever playing when you played with those girls well, I played when I was, you know, under 11, uh-huh. you know, with the kids or played played in the street or, you know, local local park or wherever the, with the boys. But, yeah, you weren't, you weren't allowed to and there was nothing there for girls. So, yeah. I would, you know, as soon as I found out there were some women playing rugby, that was it for me. I was going to play. Mm. And so you, you set up the club in um, 1981. Was it hard recruiting girls? Kind of how many of, of you were there at the start? Um, well, I grabbed my mates from the five-a-side football team. I grabbed a couple of mates from judo. I put a notice up on the men's um, uh, rugby notice board. Um, and uh, fairly immediately, we had about 10 to 15 women turn up. Or good. get dragged there by me, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had a number of mates going, oh, yeah, I want to play rugby. I've always wanted to play rugby. So, And then a few word-of-mouth things. So... I put this note on the men's notice, but I hadn't got in touch with any of the men. And then next thing I knew, a couple of them said, if you need coaches, let us know. So two two guys turned up and, and coached us for the next two or three years, and they were fantastic. Well, that's amazing. So, yeah, it was it was obviously something that a lot of people wanted to do. So it wasn't very long before we, you know, before we managed to get a team together and play a game. Yeah, so were you, were you playing 15s at the start, or was it only 7s? No, it was 15s. Yeah. We didn't even know about 7s then, really. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. All, all you had was rugby sevens at, at the Middlesex, really. It was an end of the season thing. Pretty much similar, like, you know, until we got the Olympics, pretty much similar, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so it was 15s. So so that's what that's what we did. Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of crazy to think because this year we had 76 members and last year we nearly had 100. Um, we've got a first team, a second team that play regular games every week and a development team. That's so to think where, where it's brilliant. come from is amazing. So thank you so much. Oh, no, no problem. Love yeah. it. That's great. I don't know if you know as well, this year we played um, Arcity in Headley Stadium against Leeds Beckett. And um, this was the first year the women were allowed to play in the stadium as well. So, um, yeah, that was absolutely amazing. To see how far the club's come is so cool. Oh, that's fantastic. Great stuff. Well done. We, we don't know what's going on with Varsity at the moment um, in terms of coronavirus, whether it will go ahead. But 
we'd love for you yeah. to come down so we'll let you know when we know and um, when it's happening so if you'd like to come and watch that'd be amazing as well yeah sure let me know it's not so far now it's not as far as going up from london so yeah. i just have to shoot across the lines even put you on the sub bench if you want <laughs> <laughs> no no my i didn't mention my knee injury <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> excuses <laughs> yeah exactly did you have a committee um, when you kind of started the club or was it just kind of you running it? How did it start? No, I didn't really have a committee. I guess we all just mucked in and did the things that needed to be done. Mm. Um, and I liaised with the Athletic Union with, with, I guess it would have been Sue Jacqueline there. She was there for years. Um, and we we tried to find out who else was playing games. So we were going out through the Athletics Unions and we knew that when some friends of friends had knew some well the friend that I met said oh there's a team at York and there's a team here so we just tried to get hold of them to set up games and um we ju- yeah we just I don't even remember having a committee maybe we did in the second year mm-hmm. um but I think between us we just organized we didn't have roles specifically or anything like that yeah. we just organized what we needed to do to um to get a couple of fixtures <laughs> yeah did you play quite regularly then or how often did you manage to get a game well, that first year, we, we didn't get any games sorted till after Christmas. So that would have been sort of 82. Um, so set it up in 81, then into 80. It's my final year as well, so I really should have been doing some work. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, it was we managed to get a couple of games, then went to the, it would have been the Loughborough tournament, I think, that year, or maybe it was a Keel. But, yeah, we had, we had a couple of games, 15 aside, and then we did the, the tournament as well. Okay, cool. And um, were you training like every week? Yeah, yeah, we were training at least once, maybe twice a week. We just used to train at lunchtime out on Hyde Park at first. Oh, we yeah, didn't, we didn't train anywhere else. We we had to learn how to, you know, run forwards and pass the ball backwards, <laughs> which for a lot a lot of people they hadn't done before. Yeah, it's surprisingly um, complicated, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't run forward, the ball's going nowhere. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> One of our kind of club values um, is love for the game because for us, rugby is all about kind of loving the game and the team and it's really important that we never lose sight of that. So is there anything specific that you just find that you love so much about rugby? Kind of what is it that made you want to get involved? Well, well, I I mean, yeah, I, I think it's the best sport in the world. Mm. So uh, and I'm glad I got the chance, chance to play. I think, you know, as I say, the boys have kept it to themselves for much too long. So... <laughs> For me, it's like you know, it's like physical chess, isn't it? So you've got to be able to, you know, there's all the all those, you know, the contact, the physicality of it um, that I really enjoyed, um, but also trying to, you know, to think quickly, act quickly, you know, do things, and then in order to, you know, solve problems, which is great, but also, um, I guess that whole camaraderie as well, which yeah. which is, you know, you, you can't manage. You know, you can't win a game on your own, and and that sort of looking after your buddies and making sure um, that you're playing as effectively as possible together. You know, and the teamwork is invaluable. So, so all those things combined for me make it make it the best game you could play. Yeah, I agree completely. I um, when I first came to uni, I hadn't played rugby at all, um, so I hadn't really experienced the same team spirit. But I think the kind of relationships you build with the players on your team is just something you can't get anywhere else. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. Cool. Did you have any socials when you started the team? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, did we have socials? Well, I yeah. think the first game we ever played um, was over in York, and and we had a minibus. Yeah, we had a minibus that we we got, and 
we ended up in some pub in, in York with all the Yorkies. Um, and, and I think we ended up kidnapping one of them. She ended up coming back with us. So, you know, we ended up in a bar back in, back in Leeds. So, you know, we always had, and then if, if we had um, midweek games as well, you know, with the Wednesday nights or even training, you know, the Wednesday night we'd be in the, the Tetley bar or the Tartan bar as it was. I think it's called something else now. Um, with each other so we you know we did we did a lot of socializing i don't know whether we call them socials but certainly that yeah. that was a big part of of the whole the whole thing for us yeah yeah definitely it's cool because we we now have weekly socials i guess all the university teams do um so every wednesday we go out as a club I and mean, it's a huge part of the club and it's funny we've we done all kinds of things this year so um one week we had a kind of birthday party themed where everybody came dressed as something they would have come as a, like a birthday party when they were younger we had a huge pinata in this kind of club area and we were all hitting the piñata um, we had another yeah. social where all the freshers were dressed up as worms and the old girls were dressed up as birds that was pretty funny they were all painted completely <laughs> pink um yeah. and on tour we all dressed up as that you know the toy story aliens so we all painted yeah. green and had eyes on our foreheads right great yeah, stuff so. <laughs> yeah yeah no great yes yeah, so I, I guess that's always been a part of rugby in, in some sense yeah totally i think that's a, that's a big part of it the whole that whole sort of fun and social aspect off the pitch is a really big part of rugby mm. and I think that's that culture of the game is what is what partly attracts people as well yeah definitely. not just in itself yeah mm. especially at university it's an easy way to get the girls in yeah so kind of moving on to your um international rugby career so you captain Great Britain in I think it was their first ever international game against France in 1986 is that right yeah that's correct yeah 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 and then a year later you captain England in their first international game against Wales yeah so that's first one amazing achievement so well done thank you could you tell me a bit about kind of what that was like and how you got involved with that well I guess what we what we did in those early days and um the the friends we made through rugby you think um the we'd, we'd had a chat to a number of people about we actually wanted to have I guess a better competition structure for the game and try to try to do something a bit different mm-hmm. and um and there was a few of us got together and said, right, in order to in order to establish this, and also to have something, we realised we needed to have insurance as well. So <laughs> we we had to set up a governing body. We were told by Sport England, we had somebody within the ranks at, who was at UCL, so who worked for Sport England or Sports Council, it was at the time, and said we have to set up a governing body. So we'd, we'd written to the to the RFU and to the IRFU and to Welsh RFU in Scotland, who weren't interested. So we set up our own governing body. So that's what. That's what we did. So that's how we then drove the game forward. And I was the first sort of chairperson of that mm. um, with a bunch of mates. So we set that up at the end of 1983. And that's how we decided to you know, take the game forward. And that's really what drove it from then on. So rather than just playing some socials, uh, not socials, but some friendlies from university, mm. um, we set up the union. That's where we decided a couple of years later to say, right, well, you know, is it time for us to have a have a national side? And because we were covering the whole of sort of UK, Great Britain at the time, that's why it was a Great Britain side. Yeah. Um, and we knew the French were playing and the Dutchies and and the Italians. So, so that's what we did. So, so not only were we playing, we were organising the game and also organising this first ever international. <laughs> um, so there's funny, some funny stories goes along with that France game. You know, so not only was I playing and captaining. Uh, we'd, we'd set up a we managed to get some some good coaches some some guys to come in and coach and a couple of selectors so they were the ones that we did did a trial and um 
selected the squad and, and trained for this game. Uh, and then also we were trying to, you know, we're between us, we're trying to get the French in who were, who really were covered by the men's game. So we didn't know what we were supposed to do in terms of how much we were supposed to provide and what they paid for and what we paid for, because we didn't have any money. We were just paying for ourselves. Yeah. So there was a lot of organisation that went into that first, that first GB game. Um, but, you know, because also we're deciding, is it too soon for the game? You know, should we be concentrating on other things? But in the end, we thought, you know, it's the thing that will drive the growth as well. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was, and it was fantastic to have that first ever game be pretty competitive, and um, and get some good newspaper coverage, which we did. Mm. So that so that was good. And then the year after, because we had enough players, we split between England and Wales, but we still would were the RFUW or the WRFU at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided still to have that England Wales game because you know that was the start of the Six Nations, if you like, or the, or the beginning of our own sort of five Six Nations tournament. Yeah, that's cool. Did you manage to get a big audience for these games or was it kind of just um, your friends and family? No, we actually, I can't remember how many we had at um, the Athletic Ground, but it, the first game was at Richmond because the Men's County Championship was on that day at Twickenham. So we knew we'd get some press. So we think we played about quarter past 12-ish or something and, and then people came to the game and, and went on. So it was more than friends and family. I think we had you know, probably five or 600 in the crowd. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And then when we played down at Pontypool the year afterwards for the England-Wales game, again, decent number of people in, in the stand. I can't remember how many, but actually, you know, quite a lot of locals yeah. came out because it's Wales and it's rugby. So <laughs> so we did all right with that. So, yeah, that was, um, you know, it was a good it was a good start. Mm. You know, it was a good start. And um, and we, we grew it from there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Was that really cool for you to kind of see that people were interested in, in watching women's rugby and that to kind of see the attention that it did draw? Yeah, because we got some good press reports. Yeah. And um, yeah, and you just thought, well, and that's, where I guess, where we started thinking. And it probably happened just before that, because I think um, Finch had set up before that. That's where we, you know, we were starting leaving university and wanted to carry on playing. So we were going, we, you know, I always thought when I went on my first tour, I thought, well, this is the only chance I'll ever get to go on a tour and um, borrowed some money from a mate and, and went off on, on this rubbish. Probably that was 82, I think, with, with UCL. And there's a bunch of us, it was like a barbarians team going off mm-hmm. of people from different unis who, who we all just wanted to go and have this experience of a rugby tour. We thought about our last one, but we started to knock on rugby club doors and say, right, we, we want to, we want to carry on playing. Mm. Um, and that's what we did. And we, you know, our, our biggest selling point was usually you'll get a load more money over the bar on a Sundays when you don't <laughs> usually. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, let us play at your club and we'll help, you know, we'll help support the way it runs and everything else. And we'll bring a load of money over the bar. Yeah. So yeah. that, that, you know, that was the growth outside of universities because that was our in- initial sort of growth area if you like there's only one club side which was down in south wales otherwise it was all universities when we set up the wrfu mm. okay cool and kind of how long were you playing for these great britain england teams Was it um so i i had i had a year out with injury um and i then had to stop playing after the 91 world cup because my knee went completely so um i played 15 internationals wow. um in total, um, I think it was eight GB and seven England. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was injury that, that stopped me playing. But you know, I played in those internationals, played in World Cup, which was which was fantastic. And I, and I, 
I started getting involved that first knee injury I had I started getting involved in coaching so mm. when I stopped playing I went in automatically went into coaching really and at the same time I was working in sport for Westminster Council's head of their sports unit so I've had a I had a 35 well ongoing 35 year career in sport as well some of which was rugby when I was performance director for for 10 years for the RFUW and, and paid for the first time but mm. um you know, I've worked for a local authority for the FA and now my consultancy work. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's brought me a fantastic career in, in sport as well as, um, you know, all the voluntary work, but also all the playing and coaching, which is which has just been, um, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, it's cool because you've done kind of a bit of everything. So, yeah, you've really contributed towards it. It's, it's great. Thank you. So when you were training for the World Cup, what was your training like? Were you uh, training quite regularly? Um, and kind of what did it involve and how many days a week? Oh, well, uh, you know, I guess we were we were always professional with a, with a small P and, and um, you know, we had some players who were fitter than others. You know, we had those those Loughborough people who were always used to being fitter than some of the rest of us were. But, but we set our own standards, I guess. So... Leading into sort of those later internationals and the for me later internationals and the, and the World Cup, um, because I worked in sport, I was able to train quite a lot. You know, I trained quite a lot during the day and just getting early, take an hour off for lunch and go and do a you know a, a sort of circuit training session. Um, we were already starting to use weights and um, track sessions by then. So, so we did. Um, in terms of training for the internationals, then it would be, you know, sort of training weekends. Mm. So we'd all pay to stay overnight at Loughborough or wherever we were training. Uh, or it'd be one day as in you'd shoot up and shoot back and, you know, train on the Saturday, play on the Sunday for your, for your club side. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, still that 91 World Cup, there was, there were, you know, there's a lot of commitment towards it. And I guess you you talk about yourselves a little bit like those sort of Olympics amateur sports as well, whereby you have to try and manage mm. um, as an amateur and, and work around the, the time you've got available. But um, yeah, we, we, we tried to, you know, bring some, some people in who, who would, who would help us for nothing, if you like, uh, in terms of fitness, knowledge and, and, and application, I guess, you know, me getting better from the, 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 suppose a dislocation is um was because we had a physio with us you know so we were able to to put somebody in place to to do some work with us um so yeah I think um I think we you know we trained we trained when we could and and everybody paid to to be there and do their own things and then it was down to individuals so Mm. um you know trying to set up training groups where you could go and you know, do some track sessions and, and learn from each other. And because I was in sports development, I had a couple of people working for me who were, um, one was a real fitness guy and the other guy was was an ex-international sprinter. So he did a little bit of training for me as well. So that's, I guess that's what we did. You look at somebody like Sue Dorrington, um, who paid a fitness trainer to get her as fit as she could, she could be for the, for the internationals, that she sort of was one of the people setting the standard in terms of, you know, do what you can to be the best you can be, which which was great. So I think that's that's fantastic that that commitment in those early get early of the days because you're because you're an amateur doesn't mean you're not professional. Yeah, definitely. So was it kind of a case of getting together to train together when you could around your individual schedules, but then doing your own individual training when you could as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. So yeah, you'd have sort of however many training weekends planned over the year and you know that's the same as it was for, for quite a while in terms of with the 
with a national squad um, and uh, yeah, then expected to do your own your own stuff around that and with your club side as well. Okay, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> so you've been involved in a lot of uh, leadership in sport. So kind of what would your advice be to women today who want to get involved in sport and they'd like to lead teams or get involved in um, leading a committee, for example, for rugby? And kind of what have you learned from your experiences? I, I, think, I think the thing for me uh, is... Um, you know, we were probably 20 when we set up the governing body and you look you look back now and think, well, that's really young, but in actual yeah. fact, we, it, you know, you you don't know what you can't do in the, you know, when you're a bit younger, which is great. And we, I think we forget that. We get a bit more risk averse as we, as we get older. So for me, it's like, don't don't let anybody tell you what you can't do and what you mm-hmm. can do. Um, you know, we, we got no response from, from some of the guys, from the organisations, but actually there was a lot of guys involved in rugby who'd been instrumental in helping us develop, you know, who weren't anti, who were very supportive and we got a lot of support from them. So for me, it was, um, you know, that was, that was fantastic. But, but generally it was just like, well, we're going to do this. And, and for me, it was, it was, if you want something badly enough, you make it happen. Uh, and don't let anybody tell you, you can't do it. So there's, 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 things you can do to equip yourself to be able to contribute to committees and, and, and be a leader in terms of in terms of your own sort of competencies and areas areas to develop. But I think also it's um it's not being afraid to have a go and not being afraid to apply. Um, because I think a lot to do with women's confidence is is why we don't apply for some of these situations. And you you'll often, you know, I see it with female coaches, you'll know more than you think you know. And uh, what have you got to lose by not by not applying for certain things and um, trying to get involved? Um, so, so for me, it's it's really important that we have diversity across the board in in all our sort of leadership setups, whether that's in coaching or on boards, uh, in refereeing, administration, etc. Then, you know, the the, the more diverse uh, we are, then then the more effective we, we can be. So, I think in terms of um, in terms of women and getting involved it's um you know look at look at what skills you have and look at what you can do but look at how you can build and develop yourself yeah definitely that's some really cool advice I um I was saying to the girls the other day I think rugby's kind of like a perfect place to develop yourself because it's basically the only game when you're literally thrown onto the ground and you're forced to get straight back up again I think it's just such a great metaphor for life that um you can yeah. be pulled onto the ground and you have to forget about it and get up again straight away yeah so I just yeah. think it really teaches amazing skills in women so I think it's a part of yeah. experience to, to push yourself in leadership and things like that. I think that's it. You know, that you've got to be so resilient. Mm. And, um, yeah, how, how you deal with with knowing that, um, well, making mistakes, and you can't succeed until you've made mistakes, you know. If you don't take a risk, you never get anywhere. Mm. So, and I think, think that's it in terms of really being resilient and taking the knockbacks and not taking them too personally. Yeah. Mm. Um, because that's how you get better, mm-hmm. and that's how you, you know, prove that you've you, you're committed and you and you want you want to um, you want to really be involved. So you know, we we probably had a bunch of knockbacks in terms of certain things that that happened. And we just think, right, well, how do we get around this? How do we make it happen rather than oh, we can't do this? Yeah, you know. And I think there is that around around an attitude. I do really think as well that um, networks and mentors and, and other people who can who can anchor you know the female sports networks are really important I think for for that sort of collaborative working and for for us supporting each other 
yeah definitely that's some really cool advice i'm sure the girls are like listening to that <laughs> good so another question i have is um often when we're trying to recruit uh, new girls for rugby at freshers events at university we often go up to them and ask them hi have you ever considered rugby and they always say oh no i don't want to get her or, or that's too tough for me so what would you say to them and if you were in that circumstance how would you convince the girls to get involved in rugby um i i probably i probably start with um you know, doing playing some touch. Mm-hmm. You know, because some some people, male and female, don't may, may never want to cross into that contact area. It may not be what they want to do. But I think the game itself, even, you know, even though I like the contact side, you can learn so much from from touch as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, having that sort of access in for some people through the sort of social side of summer touch or whatever, you know, because obviously touch can be fairly miserable in the winter here. Um, you know, playing summer touch and, and having a go and coming down and having a go, go at it. But also some people might just want to in, get involved in um, the social side of the club or the organisational side. Yeah. Um, and then they have a look and think, oh, well, maybe I'll quite fancy that. Mm. Um, I think also it's just dispelling the myth sometimes about how dangerous it is because I think, you know, you look at some other sports which can be just as just as dangerous. Um, so it, it's looking at how how I guess you, you you're promoting the game as uh, a game for all shapes and sizes, and there's a place for everybody. And, and it's how you how we sort of um, really try and get across the benefits of playing mm. uh, and the benefits of being involved in rugby. But sometimes a side door into the game is is a good way to approach it well if you don't want to get involved in the contact we do have a touch stuff in the summer it'd be great if you could come down and um you know get involved and then see if you quite fancy taking up the contact side yeah I agree completely because um when I first started I mean I did contact sport before so I was kind of um down for it anyway yeah. but um yeah, I remember that. I remember my first tackle really specifically, and it's just such a strange concept getting into it. I remember we were doing um, like a bulldog game, and it started off yeah. with just bulldog of just touching, and then they said, "Right, we're going to play bulldog, but you need to tackle them." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've got to run up to someone and pull them onto the ground." But you learn so quickly, and I think, yeah, once you do start touch, you then think, "Oh, maybe I'll give contact a go," and that's good advice. <laughs> so, are you still in touch with any of the girls you used to play with at Leeds? Still in touch with some of the old Leeds girls that I I played with. Um, and you know they we've had a couple of reunions up there mostly involved involving just pub crawls these days Um, but I think it's great to know that that you you guys have continued um, and grown the club itself so people will be really pleased that um, it's got it's all going so well so so well done to you lot and well done to you know, running three sides, which is great. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And it's honestly, the club has written rugby itself has really changed my life and you're actually massively to um, thank for that. So yeah, from, from me and the club, thank you so much. I oh, know you're welcome. Same for me. It changed my life and given, given me, you know, a, a life, a career in sport, but also a life in sport. And mm. um, when I'm doing this work now with these um, female coaches, I've got, I've got, there's some coaches in there I've known for 40 years now who I've played against and who were great mates to mine, but from across the world. So that's what, that's what rugby does for you. And I think if you talk to the guys, they'll say the same thing. It, you know, it brings you, it brings you friends for life. So mm. um, it, it, it had a great impact, massive impact on me uh, and my life. And, and I'm, I know that generally, you know, people get a massive benefit out of, out of playing sport, but in particular for me, playing rugby, yeah. because it's, it's that bit different. 
Yeah, it's funny. My brother has always played rugby. And um, I remember he took a, a season off because he had a leg injury. And he was saying how sad he was and how much he missed rugby and that he couldn't explain what the kind of vibe was and what it, what it meant to him. And I was just like, oh, okay, David, whatever. But then when I actually played, I yeah, it's very hard to explain. But um, yeah, there's definitely an amazing atmosphere in the sport. It is really cool. Yeah, if I could play again, I'd play tomorrow, honestly. No matter how old, if my knees weren't shot, I'd have played for years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you have to recognise when to stop. But yeah, it's great that we've, you know, whatever, we've got like 20, 25% of the playing population globally now is female. So, you know, look where, look where we've come from in, um, you know, in, in, in 40 years. It's been fantastic. Yeah, so exactly. keep up the great work, you and your you and your gang. <laughs> we will do. And look forward to come over and watch a game. Yeah, I was going to say. So we'd absolutely love to stay in contact. And um, when we know yeah. more about varsity and when it will be going ahead, we'll get in contact. And we'd love for you to come watch us play and to actually meet you in real life. That would be really cool. Yeah, cool. That'd be great. That'd be great. Okay, don't make me do a three-legged Otley run. So all right, <laughs> we might have to do a couple <laughs> pubs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming. All right, keep in touch. Thank you so much for joining us today on the You Play Rugby question mark podcast. Be sure to check out our Instagram at L-U-U-W-R-U-F-C and our Twitter at L-U-U Women's Rugby for updates on upcoming episodes and to follow our rugby journey. See you next time.